2: This is Live Bet Saturday on v the Sports Betting Network. It's Live Bet Saturday, presented by BetMGM with Jonathan Von Toble Danny Burke alongside out there in Chicago. We do a final score, 74-68. Virginia Tech takes down Virginia. All right, look, I'm not anti-court storming guy, okay? We're going to go down this path really quickly. Having said that, this is one of the lamest court stormings I think I've seen in a while. Um <laughs> you, look, you win at home against number six Virginia. It's fine. It's an in state rival, it's a lot of fun. But like they were all like slowly leaking out onto the court, and it was they're, now they're all, you know, I assume singing the school fight song or whatever they do when you do these sort of things. Um kind of lame. Like, I want more. I want more like, veracity, like, you know, I want like a vicious storming of the court. Not like people like helping people down from the stands. You know what I mean? And like, let's get out there and sing our <laughs> song. Um, do you want you, like a mosh pit type of environment? Yeah, like I want something crazy. I want like, you know, like run, get to the locker room. Like you got to do it. You know, <laughs> people's lives should be at risk. Um, do you know the words to Nebraska's fight song, Danny?
3: Uh, something like dear old Nebraska. You, I don't know. We didn't win that much when I was there, so we didn't get to sing it all that often JBT. But uh, I, yeah, I didn't go to that many basketball games either. And there was never really an opportunity to storm the court. And when I was a freshman, you'd go to the football games, right? You'd come from the tailgate, you'd go. But then when I started like sophomore, junior senior, i like, maybe stay for the, for a quarter, then it's like, all right, I'm not even going to go and Nebraska. People will kill me for this. Cause I remember telling like native Nebraska people are like, you kidding me? You're not staying for the full game. I'm like, why would I stay there when I could just go to the bar and watch it with everybody else or stay at the table, like a way more efficient way instead of just standing the entire time. Right. I'd rather sit comfortably and watch the game. I feel like you would agree with me on that sentiment instead of standing the entire time.
2: Uh, yeah, for sure. Hail to the team. The stadium rings as everyone sings. The Scarlet and Cream. Cheers for a victory. Echo go, our loyalty. So on, mighty men. Mm, 2023. Let's in- let's be a little bit more inclusive. The <laughs> eyes of the land upon every hand are looking at you. Fight on to victory. Hail to the people. Dear old Nebraska U. Of Nebraska U. L to the there men, come on. What was this Old written man. like 1920? <laughs> what are we doing? Uh, all right, probably even before that. <laughs> that was actually, yeah, uh, I think, uh, I think, <laughs> I think Elliot's family was just starting out at Purdue when that team was <laughs> when, that, when that song was written. Uh, all right, tipping off here in uh, the next few minutes, are already underway. We get three games, four games of note, I should say. Give you the closing numbers. And uh, do you have anything in this slate? We got Auburn on the road against Tennessee. Uh, This number is going to close. Auburn as about a nine and a half point underdog total, 132 and a half or uh, 131 and a half. So you get some ranging numbers there. Butler is going to hit the road to take on Marquette. Marquette's going to close as a 15-and-a-half point favorite here with a total of 143-and-a-half. Uh, we were talking with Chase Kitty earlier, and he brought up this uh, Oklahoma State as part of a Moneyline parlay, and Okie State also falls under the umbrella of uh, what was the angle here for Virginia Tech and Virginia, right? the unranked team at home favorite over the ranked team. So Oklahoma State is going to close as about a four and a half point favorite. Actually, five starting to pop with a total of 137-and-a-half. And then Iowa and Illinois are... Uh, Iowa here is going to close in this matchup as a two and a half point favorite over at MGM with a total of one fifty three and a half. and Did you have anything uh, in this one or any of nothing
3: pre, Yeah, nothing pre flop in these games, Tennessee and Auburn. I'm hoping to get a better number on the volunteers. I think Tennessee matches up exceptionally well with them and look, they're coming off a loss against Florida. So they're going to be looking to bounce back and kind of avenge that uh, Haslametric metrics says Tennessee is a number two team in defensive field goal conversion rate. So if Auburn's not connecting from beyond the arc immediately, I think it's going to be a long day for the tigers. But from my in-game perspective, I kind of hope it happens uh, at the beginning stages of this game. So I can get an adjusted number on the volunteers and look to jump in on that TC Oklahoma state JVT. I didn't have anything there. This game kind of scares me on both ends. Uh, you know, I get why Oklahoma state's getting the love, but I wouldn't want to lay four in the hook with them right now. I probably won't really look to do anything in game with them either. Illinois and Iowa. This one's tough. I could see why you'd want to bet the over in this game, but naturally the total has been adjusted enough. to where at that point you might as well just oh, hope to get a better number in game. And look, Iowa's been a lot better team at home, 11-2 straight up and against the spread this year. And look, Illinois has been pretty solid their last few games, but uh, this is a spot where Iowa really needs to take advantage. And defensively, man, they got to show some effort on that side of the ball. And if they can just play a lick of defense that's worth anything, then they probably should win this game. But this will be a fascinating one just to watch to kind of see how everything besides Purdue is falling into place throughout the Big Ten. So that'll be an entertaining one. Slight lean to Iowa. Uh, not sure if I could trust him on the defensive side of the ball, though.
2: I like it. I like it. So we'll keep track of uh, Tennessee and Auburn and um, some of these other matches that we got going on. This this, uh, these chunk of games are not the sexiest ones that we're no. going to have. A little bit later in the day is where it's going to really start to get going with uh, Duke, North Carolina and the West Coast Conference matchup uh, that we are going to see as well. Uh, I wanted to hit you. So I'm going to ask you this because we're talking Super Bowl and Ben Brown, some pro football folks is going to join us coming up in about 10 minutes from now. Uh, from a prop standpoint, How involved do you get with some of these props? Do you bet? And here's the other thing. I think because a lot, we get lost in like gambling and whatnot. Sometimes you can gamble for fun, right? So not everything has to be like super plus EV and like, you know, all that kind of stuff. Sometimes you just want to gamble for fun and have some action um, as you watch the game. How in depth with some of these props do you get as you're looking around at the board? How many have you made and how many are you going to have you think by the time you get to game time?
3: So I've only made one actually right now. I'll probably, I imagine I'll end up with like three, maybe I'm not, I'm not going to try to go too crazy in comparison to how I usually do on like a normal slate or just a normal playoff game. Because by the the longer you wait, obviously the numbers are going to, you know, marinate out to where they should be and you're not getting as much of an advantage. So I really only saw one uh, with Isaiah Pacheco that I like JVT and this number has moved since I bet it. I think at bet rivers, you can still get close to where it is. So like I got 63 in the hook here in Illinois a few days ago, maybe a couple days ago, and then 64 in the hook is available if you shop around. And that's, of course, the biggest tool you can have, especially at this point. Make yourself available to all the different outlets because there's a lot of discrepancies in general, but especially at this point in the year so i think pacheco could be utilized a lot naturally in the ground game for the reasons i stated earlier right philadelphia doesn't have the best run defense or allowing opponents about 4.7 yards per rush attempt they rank 21st in dvoa run defense Uh, over the playoff games opponents getting five yards per carry by the way so that number has increased and then in the receiving game now this isn't like a recency bias thing necessarily because i think you can actually put some weight on this but Pacheco wasn't a guy they utilized in the passing game all year. He had 13 total receptions, but he did average 10 yards per catch when he got it. Last week for Cincinnati, instead of McKinnon being the guy, it was Pacheco. He had six targets, five catches for 59 receiving yards. Now, Philly's allowing opposing tailbacks over five catches per game for about 33 receiving yards. And Knowing that Philadelphia has one of the best pass defenses, if you want to say that, yeah, all right, this defensive front is going to get some sort of pressure on Mahomes, and he is gonna to have to scramble at some point, and because the secondary is good enough deep, well then that opens the check downs for Pacheco, so you can just do the quick dump off and not have to risk a deep throw, not have to get that pressure on you with your bum ankle and try to get Pacheco utilized in that facet, much like you did against the Cincinnati Bengals. So I think you'll get enough in that regard. And then in enough with him to be efficient on the ground attack like he had been toward the middle to end of the season against a weaker run defense so I did the rushing and receiving combined for him over 63 and a half again if you see the 64 and a half would certainly play that some other books have as high as 68 and a half I don't know if I'd still recommend it at that point, JVT, I'd probably lean more toward just solely the rushing yards. And I think the lowest you can get is 48 in the hook. But I think Pacheco could be a big part of this offense once again.
2: What do you think about Patrick Mahomes rushing yards? It's like a 20 and a half.
3: It's tough, right? I mean, again, it's the uncertainty with the ankle. It's tempting. It certainly is. And he's going to put everything all out in the line. And if the Eagles are bringing the pressure, it is going to force him to run. I'll probably just stay away from that one, though. It's a little dicey. You like that one, though?
2: Uh, I tend to try, try to look at those kind of over, especially if you have a yeah. good rush, uh, pass rushing team, uh, that does actually open up the door for him to escape when some of that pass rush gets behind him, right, mm. and get upfield a little bit. And he's pretty good with the legs, and I would, I would think, right, given where he's at in terms of health, he's going to be a little bit healthier as he kind of moves along. Now, we'll say... The last couple of games, right, since he's been hurt, we're only talking about a combined 16 rushing yards in two playoff games. And at the number set right now, um, he has lately been a little bit more um, contained in the pocket, we will call it. He has not been running as much in terms of yardage, too. If you look at it since, I think it's December 4th, uh, he has surpassed 20 yards rushing just twice. The rest of these, we're talking about two attempts for nine yards, three attempts for a loss of three, two for eight, four for eight, right, in the two playoff games, uh, both three for eight. So the market is a little low here in terms of like a 20. I'm really curious to see where it's at and what he ends up doing because at the beginning of the year, uh, he was regularly surpassing 20 yards rushing per game. And that has really died off as the year has gone along. It doesn't just tie into the injury, it just ties into some recent play. So I'm really curious where this number ends up because uh, I also will say I was burned on a Patrick Mahomes rushing prop in the Super Bowl all those years ago against the San Francisco 49ers, where uh, he ran backwards on like two of the final oh, plays yeah. <laughs> and uh, lost it by a hook. So I do have some like uh, little PTSD when it comes to it. But 20 and a half seemed kind of low, generally from what we have seen from Mahomes in the past, both this year and just in seasons past.
3: Hey, I got a prop for you that I think I'm going to end up playing, and it's a little bit more kind of a for fun prop, but there are some reasons to back it. Uh, Total players to have a pass attempt, two and a half is the number. The over that I saw originally was like plus 165. I feel like we always get a trick play, especially with like an Andy Reid-led offense to where a receiver makes a throw. And then Mike Palm on the podcast made a good point. I mean both of these quarterbacks are banged up, right? So perhaps they get hit once again and they need to go out for a series, they could put in Minchu, they could put in Henny and they could make one pass attempt. The fact that you're getting some decent plus money, I'm not saying go crazy with it, but I think you'd have to bet the over instead of the under in that regard.
2: Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Uh, Take our break when we come back. Uh, Ben Brown, Pro Football Focus, is going to be with us. We'll get his thoughts on everything that we're talking about here from a uh, football perspective or PFF perspective and talk about offensive lines, that protection that we were discussing in terms of that matchup, some of the props that he likes, and more. That's on the other side here on Live Bet Saturday.
5: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Live Bet Saturday on
2: VSAN, the Sports Betting Network. You have questions about betting the Super Bowl? If you're wondering about I don't know how to hedge a futures ticket that you got, or maybe you're looking for unusual props, insights from one of the hosts, V-CIN, the Big Game Help Desks here for you. Adam Burke and others do a great job answered on the air or up on the website of eason.com just go to eason.com help desk to get your questions answered today a lot of stuff that you can address there burke and others do a fantastic job in addressing those All right, let's continue on with this uh, Super Bowl conversation. It's going to be hyper-analyzed every single day until the game. Uh, Ben Brown, PFF underscore Ben Brown up on Twitter, out from Pro Football Focus. Nice enough to give us some time here today. So, uh, Ben, first off, good to talk to you, buddy. Let's start with the, um, the big picture here with this matchup overall before we get to some of your bets. Eagles and Chiefs. Uh, what were your thoughts? Uh, what'd you make this number? And what were your thoughts when you saw spots like where I'm at circa and others opening as high as chiefs minus two and a half and swinging all the way to Eagles minus two and a half at one point.
1: Yeah, definitely. So the, the early line movement, obviously very, you know, reflective of a public side, seemingly, you know, all in on the Philadelphia Eagles. And, you know, th- I, I think the circle line was actually very much where I would have had this number priced out, especially given like no injury context tech specifically, like how you're kind of handicapping mm-hmm. the effectiveness of, you know, not only Patrick Mahomes, but also Jalen Hurts. Like if you have both those guys at full strength, a full strength, Chiefs you know receiving unit as well like I can see a, you know a minus two and a half for Kansas City but you know very much caught a ton of market resistance I do you know for for my own modeling and handicapping and stuff like that I do probably agree with the line movement Uh, you know moving all the way to you know the Eagles minus one and a half minus two basically in some spots and kind of finding consensus there because it, it's very much you know the the elite top end quarterback versus you know kind of everybody else and all the other remaining positions and the gap between Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes and just How much of a difference that's going to make, you know, is really going to dictate how you kind of land on either side of the spread, I would say, right now.
3: So, Ben, what do you make of the narrative in terms of the strength of schedule? JVT and I dove into it beginning parts of this show. And look, it's not a sole reason to base a handicap off of. But I think it's very important when you understand that you have the experience with Andy Reed and Patrick Mahomes in their third Super Bowl together. I feel like Hertz and Sirianni, especially this season have never really had that much pressure the postseason. And in a lot of these games, they never really had their backs against the wall that much. And a lot of times when you see these teams who haven't been battle tested, it doesn't end up well for them. I think pound for pound, like the Eagles have the better roster, but something about the chiefs just having that adversity, that experience leads me to believe they have a slight advantage.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, specifically with this Eagles and the, and the context in which they've kind of arrived at this discussion of their strength of schedule, like, like the ways in which they've been really successful has been playing from ahead and not really being challenged and being able to kind of play that bully ball type where they're dominating the offensive line and really, you know, establishing their will or whatever, you know, against the opposing team. And and when they haven't necessarily had that upper hand leading in the scoreboard and everything else, like their play has dramatically dropped off. So although I don't think there's like, you know, a, a ton to do with any sort of strength of schedule. I think specifically with the fact that they have had an easy schedule, and have also struggled when kind of coming from behind. I, I do think it's an area and a cause cause for concern. Like when they were kind of coming back and against an Indianapolis Colts team who was, you know, very much one of the worst te- or, or bottom five teams mm-hmm. in football. You know, they they didn't complete. I think they completed like one pass in their final scoring possession to kind of take the lead. And, and that still, even in winning that match been coming from behind, like that's really not the recipe that you want to see for a team. Kind and coming from behind and winning football games, and especially a team that's, you know, facing off in the Super Bowl against what's widely considered, you know, if not the best team, the second best team. So I think there is probably some cause for concern, but, you know, they've been so dominant early early on, and I also think, you know, given some of the matchups that we're going to touch on later, like they very much have the opportunity, I would say, to once again kind of arrive at that positive game script that has saw them play, I would say, so well throughout the entire season.
2: Are any are there any concerns at all? Last three games we've seen from Jalen Hurts, P. Uh, PFF grades of 65 or lower hasn't looked particularly accurate. Ben, it uh, didn't really look that accurate in when he had to be right against the San Francisco 49ers. We just know how that game kind of got out of hand. Uh, any concerns with the way that hurts has been playing uh, because right, that kind of coincides with his injury that we saw him suffer. Right.
1: Yeah, definitely. And we, I think when we saw the shoulder injury and how they were going to kind of approach it, I do think people thought like, you know, they're going to probably limit his Russian ability You know, run more with you know guys like Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gable. In a lot of ways, they have gotten that game script. But when he has been asked to throw, and it seems very much like he's going to need to make some throws. uh, You know, I would say in the Super Bowl in order to emerge victorious he really hasn't been able to do that since he did get that shoulder injury. So that is, you know, definitely another cause for concern. I do think that, you know, long, t- long term, obviously we, I think we saw enough progression throughout the season to rely on Jalen hurts and, and be comfortable with where his floor is as a passer. But if the shoulder injury is still, you know, very much playing out in the back of his mind and maybe part of the reason why he hasn't been so success successful over his, you know, most recent three games, I, I do think that, you know, without getting, up early and being able to kind of pound the rock and and win at the edge and win at the line of scrimmage. Like the, the Eagles might be in trouble if they very much do fall
3: behind in this matchup. So Ben, going back to the side of Kansas city and diving into some of these props, I was just dishing out the one that I've made thus far and it was Pacheco over his rushing and receiving at 63 in the hook. It looks like you've got some interest with Pacheco as well for the big game.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's just been, you know, very much taken over the, you know, the lion's share of rushing opportunities specifically, Uh, you know, McKinnon's very much mixing in or, or kind of the guy in the two minute drill and long down a distance, but outside of that. This is Isaiah Pacheco's backfield, and he has been, I would say, you know, the second best, you know, skill position player that that the Chiefs have, especially given the, you know, Chiefs injury concerns at the wide receiver position. So I expect him to be heavily involved, especially on early downs. If we do see, you know, Patrick Mahomes potentially still suffering a little bit, uh, you know, from that ankle injury as well. So I like him, uh, you know, looking at some of the stuff that PFF does from a modeling and, and simulation perspective, we do find a little bit of value on him to go over 50 plus rushing yards yards. Uh, I don't know how involved he's going to be in the past game. Like you said, you do like his rushing and receiving yards number, but uh, I think, you know, the, the, the fact that McKinnon is still very much lurking uh, and is very much kind of been really successful in, you know, generating yards after the catch in this offense and very much seems to have some of those manufactured targets. I don't know if I love his receiving yards number, but I very much expect him to break off a few chunk runs. So maybe his longest rushing yard, you know, it is the correct spot to play him. But I think 50 plus rushing yards, you know, is very much within the wheelhouse and he really probably only needs, I would say 18 carries uh, maybe a little bit more in order to get there. I would say.
2: So we were, we were talking Ben about uh, Patrick Mahomes rushing yards, right? And the fact that for the game in the range of about 20, uh, at most spots, but it hasn't. And you know, the last two games because of the injury, right? Hasn't really run around a whole lot. I think 16 total rushing yards of the two playoff games. But his rushing yardage has really fallen off, going back to uh, the first matchup in the regular season. I think it was the beginning of December, right? That we saw with the uh, the rushing start to drop off with Mahomes. Where do you see him as a rusher from a prop standpoint? I know you've got something on longest rush for him, and overall, what you're expecting on the ground from Mahomes?
1: Yeah, very much. I think basically, uh, you know, looking right now, I think he's had. Um, you know, just a couple basically basically designed rush attempts, basically in the last three games mm-hmm. Uh and very much has kind of dropped off from there, but hasn't been out success. You know, I'd say successful from a yards per carry perspective and, and very much. I would say, you know, also when he is scrambling and trying to buy time in the pocket is still very much throwing, throwing downfield. Even if he does have three to five yards, I would say from a scrambling perspective. So I do think the injury to his ankle is still going to play a role in this matchup and still very much going to dictate how able he is to kind of move around. So I, I, think think, kind of like you said, you know, his rushing yards have dropped off considerably. I think, it, I think at any given play, him going over 10.5 rushing yards, just seems like a really high ceiling. I don't think he's going to want to take any hits, um, you know, as well. So very cautious about getting out of bounds. So I think him going under his longest rushing attempt uh, of 10.5 yards, mainly given the fact that uh, I still very much expect him to probably be looking downfield and trying to make plays through the air more. So even if he does have some opening lanes, you know, to, to, to scramble, scramble, but I, I don't think he's going to really take advantage of it. And I also think that the Eagles are probably going to key in a little more, you know, on him and trying to contain him and him in the pocket and very much have the pass rushers, I would say in order to be successful doing that. So I don't expect it on a scramble and given the ankle, I very much don't expect it on a design run either. So under 10.5, 5 rushing yards I can't guarantee that he's not going to run uh, but I can guarantee you that I don't think he's going to pick up a first down using his legs here in the Super
3: Bowl hey Ben we got a little bit of time left really quick tell us one other prop that people should keep an eye out for before the number may move
1: yeah so I, I do lean on the under so I am kind of honestly um, you know, I would say waiting for the majority of of my other player prop numbers to kind of come out and I am, you know, still, you know, kind of frantically searching for some of these chiefs receiving mm. options. because I do think, you know, specifically those are going to be the spots that I really want to get on some unders, but I think waiting, you know, is very much the preferred amount, but uh, a spot that I hit right away and I thought I was going to maybe get closing line value. Now the numbers basically trickled out once again is under 24 and a half that does sit, you know, uh, you know, right above the key number 24. I do think, you know, both teams have been really good good in an early, uh, you know, early, we'll call it scripted play set when they kind of have kind of have their, you know, first 15 plays kind of outlined. Both teams have been really good offensively, but uh, the Eagles specifically have been really good from a defense and coverage perspective. So uh, I expect the chiefs to maybe have a similar start uh, to what they did in the Bengals, uh, you know, in in the divisional round and also, or or, sorry, in the conference championship round. uh, And also what we saw from them in the divisional round, maybe they get that early field goal, but I, I just don't expect a ton of scoring early on. So I do think under 24 and a half is, you know, very much, I would say uh, probably the best you're going to get on that number is not going to probably move. I would say any further out here coming up until, until next Sunday.
2: All right, Ben, real quick. Uh, any shows coming up that we can watch?
1: Yeah, we're going to be on the forecast. There's a few other, you know, spots coming up available as well. And, you know, everyone's going to be out for radio row It sounds like next week as well. So take, appreciate you guys having me on. Take
2: it easy, but Thank you. Ben Brown, Pro Football Focus. We'll be back here on Live Bet Saturday. Saturday on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network. If you're looking for a betting edge on football's big game, VSIN experts got you covered, folks. You can become a VSIN Pro subscriber with an introductory offer of only $9.99. VSIN Pro subscribers get access to our daily recap of the top plays made by VSIN show hosts and guests. You get tools like our betting splits that let you see where the money and bets are moving every game, deep dive betting reports, VSIN betting guides for the biggest games of the season where our experts break down brackets, best bets, and all the big game props. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Visit VSIN.com slash subscribe today to sign up for only $9.99. Become part of the sports betting network. That's VSIN.com slash subscribe. (coughs) Excuse me. All right. We do have a couple of things to get to. Um, Still Super Bowl related. Still Super Bowl related. Can we throw this up? So Adam Burke did a great job with a lot of these player props in terms of um, looking at them and comparing them and contrasting them with the regular season averages uh, for these players and what they're looking at rush yards of course uh, and pass yards everything in between so if you see this for example you know the Super Bowl props versus season averages for Patrick Mahomes, passing yards uh, in terms of the prop over under set at 290 and a half his regular season average at 308.8 so again you'll generally see these pretty in line with what you're looking at right pass attempts average is 38.1 shocking the uh, over under is set at 38 and a half slightly shaded to the over at minus 130. The rushing yards is interesting. It's something we have discussed in the homes. Regular season average was 21.1. His prop, 19.5 or 20.5, depending on where you look. Matchups are dependent, too, right? These get adjusted in terms of the matchups that they're facing and whatnot. But generally, Danny, you're going to see that these averages are pretty in line with some of these props. So for you, as a better, it's designating strengths and weaknesses of the matchup and where some of these, right, obviously, might go under and over and why. They might go in that direction. Uh, But I don't think... I think a lot of people like to look at season averages and go from there, but I think it's a pretty flawed system because that's generally what these props are built on.
3: For sure. And you have to consider aside from the season averages, you really have to factor in what the opponent strengths and weaknesses are, like what the matchup in in the strategy for say example, Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs is going to be like, of course they're going to pass the ball a ton, But you may think because of, like we've said, Philadelphia's run defense isn't particularly strong, that they may want to try to get those type of plays going out of the gates or for a large amount of time, if they get the lead and then trying to slow it down, because when the commanders play the Eagles, well, they dominated time of possession. They were handing the ball off left and right, and they were able to win that game relatively comfortably in comparison to the two other games uh, that the Eagles dropped. So. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't just blindly bet it based on those season averages. And like you said, there's not really that much of a discrepancy to where you'd have an advantage anyways. And also, don't forget for people, maybe not because I know Las Vegas like out there, the books don't necessarily do as great of a job with some of these props, but especially the in-game props, JBT and a lot of regulated markets. They still give you the in-game prop betting option, which we talk about on Visa and Live Bet Sunday a lot. And yeah, more often than not the number is going to be where it should be, but like if a certain team or quarterback is trailing, you got to imagine they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. All right, consider their pass attempts over, consider their pass completions over, all of those type of things you can also wait to do in game much like we do with the spread and the total, you can kind of pick apart how the game's going and what you're expecting it to be with a better understanding and also attribute that to the prop. So Yeah, with like the quarterbacks right now, the numbers are pretty much where they need to be, especially Patrick Mahomes. I would only maybe be curious about doing Jalen Hurts props because like we've talked about JBT, I like the Chiefs in this game, so do you. So my thought process would be, if the Chiefs are winning, if they're going to win this game, they're going to have to take Philly out of their comfort zone. And doing that would entail that the Eagles probably aren't handing the ball off as much and controlling the time of possession themselves. So Hurts will have to throw the ball more, and his pass attempts will be higher. His pass completions can be higher, and the Chiefs are allowing, like, 24 pass completions per game hurts. Number is that like maybe 20 and a half, 21 and a half. So that would be more of an advantage than anything with Patrick Mahomes because hurts his numbers are a lot lower. I'm expecting it to be higher just based on the opponent and then possibly having to play catch up because I would have, what I think is going to happen in the game with the chiefs leading.
2: So I'm, I'm curious about something. My, the one thing that sticks out when you look at these, and again, Adam Burke did a really great job. When you look at some differences, right? Can we go can we throw at Miles Sanders cuz this is where you get the big yeah. discrepancy. Uh regular season average for Miles Sanders in terms of yards per game on the ground was 74.6. The prop for him is set at 57.5 and that might seem like something that's out of left field like oh hey, maybe we should bet this thing over, but I- I'm curious your thoughts. We have seen, and this sticks out, we can always use like arbitrary sample sizes, right? Like cutoff dates to make numbers look better or worse. But it is pretty interesting to note that with Sanders, Danny, since week 15, you have seen a drastic dip in his production, both from a statistic, like like a actual number standpoint, right? Since week 15, they've played six games. He has had 83 attempts. He's averaging just four yards per attempt and has a total of 335 yards. Um, he has not been running as well either. If you want to talk about it from a PFF grading standpoint, uh, running, uh, a running a rushing grade of only 60, an overall grade of 51.1, it would seem that the play from Miles Sanders has declined. Meanwhile, Kenneth Gainwell, he does not have the same yardage, but his explosiveness is is much better, right? 5.7 yards per attempt on his 38 carries. What do you think has happened here with Miles Sanders in these last six games, and why has there been this dip in production?
3: you know it, it's just because i think that the eagles are spreading it out more so and that's not meaning that's causing him to have inefficient runs but they're kind of going by this running back by committee which makes it really tough to want to bet over with him in the first place i mean against the giants in their first playoff game he had 17 rush attempts for uh, 90 rushing yards but you know they absolutely dominated that game and they were just utilizing the running backs and not using jalen hurts as much as possible because they didn't want to put strain on him In somewhat of a closer game, but a game you also had more of the committee being against the 49ers. He had just 11 attempts for 42 rushing yards against a respectable run defense. Think about that last game against the giants in the regular season. That was way closer than it should have been just 11 carries 33 yards. The saints a game where they lost 12 carries 61 yards. I wouldn't necessarily be as tempted with the rushing yards just because you could have a breakout run against Mm -hmm. not the best run defense in Kansas city. But I would look at under his rush attempts, and I get that laying, what, minus 140, I think is what it was for under 13 and a half. I get that it's not attractive and everybody's looking for plus money or close to it. But sometimes you got to lay a little bit because you're getting a good number on the prop itself. And I think 13 and a half is a little bit too high. Now, I also think that's the case, again, because of what I already stated, that the Eagles are gonna have their backs against the wall and probably need to resort to the passing game more than the running game. So that's also why I like it a little bit, but also because like you said, he's been a little bit more inefficient and his numbers haven't been incredibly high uh, considering they're using some of the other dudes in the backfield. So it, it makes sense why the numbers have decreased, but I think you're still getting a good spot that hasn't altered too much with his rush attempts. The only thing that has moved is the juice. So you're still getting a high number at 13 and a half. You just got to pay a pretty penny to get on the underside of it.
2: Yeah. It started with um, that Chicago bears game where it was odd. Yeah. Like in the first half, I think he got like one carry and it was closer to halftime. And since that game, uh, the grades for him have really like hit the wall. Like You were looking at games leading into that game against Chicago, right? We're talking about regularly over 70 and a couple of really good rushing games as well. Uh, he had two games you know, in the span of three, right? He ran for 143 against Green Bay, ran for 144 against the New York Giants. And since that Giants game, the production has just completely fallen off of a cliff. Uh, and you wonder if maybe that's injury-related or whatever it is, but it, it is really interesting to see a, v- a very big dip in production, uh, and rush attempts for a guy like Miles Sanders, who at one point uh, seemed to be the, the lead guy. And it's interesting too when you look at some of the other props. Like you said, shop Brown. If you want to bet over on Miles Sanders, you could find uh, twelve and a half at a minus, you know, one ten, as opposed to thirteen and a half shaded to the under at minus one forty. But that was a pretty big discrepancy. The other things that stick out too, if, uh, like AJ Brown, for example, um, right in line. His numbers are with his uh, receptions. For the season average, 5.2 receptions per game, over-under set at 5.5, shaded to the under at minus 150. The discrepancy here is the receiving yards. Regular season average of 88. The reception yards, though, set at 72.5 for A.J. Brown. And I got to say, we were talking about this from Jalen Hurts' perspective. Um, I think I'd rather go with receptions, right, as opposed to yardage. I just I do worry that Jalen Hurts' lack of production and obviously this affects AJ Brown coincides with returning from a shoulder injury, right? Like I think that is something that is something to monitor here with some of these reception props. I think Brown will be heavily targeted, but I'm not sure about going over 72 and a half receiving yards.
3: Well, also, an argument to kind of help your case Kansas City overall, their pass defense is nowhere near spectacular, but they're really limiting the big plays. They're allowing just 9.1 yards per completion, which is third fewest. That number's decreased to 8.7 yards per catch. Uh, over the last three games so even if aj brown is getting a lot of reps yes that will boast like you're saying the receptions it may not aid him in terms of the receiving yards and you're getting plus money to going over the receptions of five and a half so i think all those things add up to you having the right side meaning it's a little bit more attractive going with those receptions as opposed to the receiving yards
2: uh some pretty good insight from uh, somebody out in philadelphia who uh, messages or so says uh that they are uh sanders dealing with a knee issue and that they were taking it easy on him so we'll see if that continues uh to move forward appreciate uh, reaching out there all right we'll take our break we'll come back wrap this thing up we have bets later in the game uh, later in the day that we can discuss and more as we uh, hand it off on live bet saturday in a couple of minutes
5: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This
2: is Live Bet Saturday on VSAN the sports betting network. Even a wager that misses can still be a slam dunk with BetMGM, an authorized gaming partner of the NBA. Place an NBA one-game parlay wager with four legs or more If you miss one leg, you'll receive up to $25 back in bonus bets. Stopped into this promotion on BetMGM's app or website. It's one game parlay. You can make selections within a single NBA game, including team and player props. Go ahead. Take your favorite NBA starter, score big. The home team to cover and the over in points. Opt into the promotion, then place an NBA one game parlay wager of four legs or more, and you'll get up to 25 bucks back in bonus bets if you miss one leg. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. You've got to be 21 years of age or older to wager. All promotions are subject to qualification, and eligibility requirements towards issues. non-withdrawable. bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi, Nevada, or New York. Danny Burke is here. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel. Last few minutes with us here on Live Bet Saturday, so we have a good college basketball slate later in the day. Uh, among some of the best games that we will see, Indiana Purdue is going to tip off in about an hour and a half, an hour and twenty minutes. The rivalry is deep. It runs pretty deep. This is a good. This is a pretty good clip. Mike Woodson at Mike Woodson NBA up on Twitter. Uh, his real Twitter handle apparently has a cameo. Um, which, look, man, you got to make ends meet. Uh, have we looked up? Do you know how much Mike <laughs> Woodson charges for a cameo? Because that's that's one of the things I think we need information on. But uh, he was asked to make a cameo. This took me a minute, uh, longer than I would like to like admit, to realize uh, that Purdue fans asked him to make a cameo for a coach, Matt, to wish him good luck and to, uh, I guess, inspire him to have a really big game. Uh, let's fire this.
0: Hey, Maddie. this is head coach Mike Woodson in the University Basketball. Hope all is well with you. Just wanted to send a shout-out to wish you nothing but the best in this big, big-time game that's coming up against your rivalry. I wish you nothing but the best. Let's kick some ass. Do what you do. Obviously, you love coaching, and I have a great deal of respect for all coaches because it's tough. Pump those guys up. Get them ready. Take care, Maddie. We love you, my brother. Good luck.
2: He knew, right? Like at one point he figured it out. Like halfway through that message. It seems like he started to figure it out.
3: <laughs> I I don't know. It might have been not until after till someone told him like, Hey, you know, this said some underlying meanings to it, but. It is, you got to think it's not their idea to do the cameo, right? Someone sets it up for him and says, hey, here, here's an easy way to make some money. Uh, you know, all you got to do is do a video every now and then. I don't know, man. Would you do a cameo, JBT? I feel like you thrive I, on cameo.
2: I don't think there'd be anybody who would want a cameo from me. <laughs> I think that would that'd be the really big flaw in that business plan. I would love to do a cameo, <laughs> Danny. I feel like nobody would buy it. So even if I set him at like a dollar. I don't know if I would get that much traction in terms of cameos. Um, good job by our production crew. Elliot finding uh, $130 for a Mike Woodson cameo. Huh?
3: Business There's video. There's a lot better ways Ooh. to spend $130. Do you guys want to get
2: it before changes? Do you guys want to, I'll shell out the $390. Should we book a live video call with Mike Woodson on this show? It's only $390.
3: What do you think? That's just a good investment, right there, yeah. content-wise.
2: Everybody, everybody, want to like chip in on this? Let's go. Let's get this <laughs> done. Um, I'll tell you what, though. If if Indiana wins, I'm gonna get Elliot a Mike Woodson cameo. How about that? That's my promise. That's my promise. Or would it be better if he loses? No, it's wins, right? Yeah. There
3: we go. Well, yeah. Does the market on his price for his cameo change if they win this game? That's the big question.
2: Does it go up? Does it spike in value right. because they're coming <laughs> off of a massive win? <laughs> yeah. The market's going
3: to overreact for his cameo if he wins or not.
2: <laughs> uh, all right. So since that we are here, it is the natural jumping off point because uh, this is uh, in your neck <laughs> of the woods. Any last analysis on this one is one and a half is the number, uh total of 139 and a half. And uh, you, you on Purdue here?
3: Yeah, so uh, look, I, I took Elliott's Mizzou Tigers last week. They came through for us. I got to go with his family's Boilermakers in this game. Got to try to ride that wave and keep it going, baby. Taking the point in the hook with Purdue against Indiana. And I, I get that the market's going toward IU. I understand how big of a game this is for the hoosiers but metrically speaking purdue it makes sense why they're as good as they are i mean offensively uh, Haslametrics has them as the number one team in the country stopping a seven footer beyond seven footer is a, a tough task especially with a seven plus footer who's actually mastered his skills now on the offensive side of the ball and yeah, Indiana may get their tempo to work toward their direction in the beginning stages of this game, but I think the depth of it, uh, of Purdue, excuse me, is going to end up being the deciding factor toward the end of this game. So uh, look, if Indiana ends up winning, of course, I'm not going to be surprised, but it's just one of those things like, seldom are you going to catch Purdue in this spot? Beat me. Okay. I'll be wrong. And if I'm wrong, it stinks, but so be it. I think this is kind of one of those more rare opportunities to catch Purdue in this position and we talked about look at spots too I mean look Indiana lost at Maryland heading into this game how are they gonna respond after that loss you know that's th- a game you're probably expecting that to have at least a decent chance of winning in, and then they lose, and it wasn't even that close of a game, sixty-six to sixty-five. So you're like, crap, well, that's another loss. So now the pressure's really on to have a great performance against Purdue. Or for Purdue, you're just hoping they're not complacent right away because it is a rivalry game. I don't think they will be. So I'll take the point in the hook and uh, you know, go against several of our guests on the show, which isn't always a good sign, mm-hmm. JBT, but uh I'm banking on the Boilermakers for this one. And if it doesn't come through, then, you know, Elliot's got to catch some of the blame too. Okay. It's the only way it works. Like it. (laughs) Uh, We'll have
2: Mike. Don't worry. We'll have Mike Woodson. send a funny cameo and laugh at him and it'll be absolutely fantastic. There we go. Uh, Later in the day, as far as the bets uh, that I've got to laid it with St. Mary's, although I did lay three and a half and it's down to three. Um, 137 and 137 and a half, the predominant totals here, something we've discussed quite a bit. I don't think I'm like generally surprised, right? The, the three and a half are starting to disappear uh, against somewhat public team. I think a lot of people would look at the Zags as a team who is generally favored by quite a bit and say, oh, you know what, what are we talking about here? You know, three, this is the market's off. They should be favored, whatever it is. Um, I, I'm really curious, obviously, because this is an incredible matchup to watch later tonight. But in terms of what St. Mary's is going to do here, I would also think, because this is something we don't really talk about a lot, we should give more to totals. From the overnight, Danny, this total has gone from 141 down to 137. And some spots as low as 136.5. I would think that this is correlating to a side, right? Like if St. Mary's is going to win this game the way that we expect them to, this is a game that would go under the total as the market has moved. And if Gonzaga is going to be effective here, this would be one that tends to go over. Um, But I'm in on St. Mary's late three. I think defensively, they're great. I think we talked about this with Jace Kitty uh, earlier, betting analyst over at BetMGM. The ability for St. Mary's in terms of their defense, help defense, limiting assists, running teams off the three-point line, the rotations, they're a really sound team on that end of the floor. And it really, I think, would work well against a Gonzaga team that wants to get up and down the floor, get pretty quick, and move the ball around.
3: Yeah, I'm in agreement with the here on St. Mary's. I do think they're going to force the Bulldogs to play their style. And for sure, there's a correlation there with if you think it's going to be lower scoring that would aid on the side of St. Mary's. Uh, I'm not doing anything pre flop in this one. Of course, I'll be rooting for you, but uh, I'll be rooting for a little bit of a uh, stall out of St. Mary's at some point so I could hop in hopefully on a better number and then be fully sweating it out with you but you know what if it doesn't happen as long as you cash hmm. it's all that matters baby uh,
2: another update here so we mentioned that uh, Dariq Whitehead was not going to play for Duke right eight and a half point per game score but he's been out for a while um, I think a lot of people expected him not to play and we thought that this wasn't going to affect the number maybe this is just coincidental but this is down to two and a half though for Duke in a couple of places Yeah. Uh, this is three and a half when we started the show. So plenty of three still out there, but two and a half is now on the board. And if this is a response to Whitehead not playing, I would say that that is a, the market overreacting to maybe a name as opposed to realizing that they've been playing without him for a little bit and that it's not as impactful there and that he wasn't expected to play. Uh, maybe it's just, like I said, maybe it's just coincidental and the market's starting to move toward North Carolina uh, at this point. But it's worth yeah, it's definitely worth pointing out, Danny, that the uh, three two two and a half are now on the board here for Duke
3: yeah and i laid two in the hook earlier with duke and you're right i mean we saw it go as high as three in the hook and now it's coming back which is always a little bit concerning but you're right is it because of that which we already kind of knew about so perhaps not people were just waiting for this number to get a little bit too out of hand but it just comes down to Duke being a team that the home and road splits are apparent for them. Are they great at covering the number at home? No, but now as you talked about earlier in the show, the market adjusted, they're a shorter home favorite. So that's where I think it's an appropriate time to jump in on it. So uh, I'm on Duke lane two in the hook UNC one and five against the number themselves when they're playing away from home. And remember the Tar Heels won both games against Duke last year. Duke's going to be ticked off coming into this game and could be a big win form going forward.
2: Yeah. All right, well, that does it for us. Uh, Of course, if you want to check out anything v has to offer, website is a great place to start, vcin.com slash subscribe. Uh, for those who are not a subscriber, the 9.99 dollars 99 introductory offers a great way to start, especially with the Super Bowl coming. A lot of great content up on the website for the big game. And of course, next week, make sure you stick around because guess what? We're going to be live out there in Phoenix for the Super Bowl. A lot of our best shows out there, including Follow the Money, A Numbers Game, and others. So make sure you check out everything we have to offer up on the website. Danny, good to talk to you, buddy. We will talk next weekend. And until then, again, vcin.com slash subscribe. Live Vet Saturday rolls on here on this Saturday. It's v the Sports Betting Network. We'll see you.